0: Welcome to Locked on Heat. On today's show, we're wrapping up our player exit interview series
1: with Bam Adebayo and Dwayne Wade. We'll discuss if Wade will be back with the Heat next season and if Bam is ready to take on a bigger role. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. Let's get to the show.
0: You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part
1: of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Alright, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm a credentialed writer covering the NBA for the Step Back, and I write for Miami Heat's Tip-Off magazine. You can find me on Twitter at WC Goldberg.
1: And I'm David Romillo, credentialed NBA writer. who's covered the heat for SB Nation and AllYouCanHeat.com. I cover the league at large for FanSided. You can follow me and my writing on Twitter at dramillo 13
0: We're finishing up our player exit interview series today. We've been doing this for about... Uh, we Since the Heat season ended, we've been doing one, maybe two a week. Uh, it's taken a long time, David, but we're here, and today's show is about both Bam Adebayo and Dwayne Wade. Um, all of our previous installment of the series were dedicated to just one player per show, but we've got to move on with our lives, David, because it's time for the offseason, so this will be our final player exit interview series, um, and if you haven't heard the, the previous ones, it's covered most of the players who made any substantial impact on the heat this season we we encourage you to go back and listen to those
1: absolutely um yeah we we have the gift of being able to take our time unlike miami (laughs) who has one day to go through all 15 players on their roster and provide you know feedback on their season we have the luxury of taking weeks at a time to say you know what this guy we want him back others looking at you hassan (laughs) not so much
0: well, let's skip the pros and cons for this one, David, and then jump right into uh, Dwayne Wade's situation. He rejoined the Heat at the trade deadline and what many thought was just a feel-good story and not really much else, but Wade was a, mar- a major part of Miami's playoff run. We got some good vintage Wade moments, and now he's facing a decision of whether or not to retire or return for another season. That's the major question when it comes to Dwayne Wade.
1: Absolutely. He played 21 games for Miami, not including a uh Those games in the playoffs, but at the same time, he he did make a significant impact. He provided immediate leadership. Uh, He also provided a a go-to scorer at times, something that Miami had lacked for most of the season. At various points, it had fallen on guys like Tyler Johnson, Goran Dragic. That was pretty much it. Deion Waiters would have probably taken on a bigger role in that aspect, but with his injury, he never really got the chance to. Wade all of a sudden comes back to the Heat takes over that role where there was a a glaring hole. And that was, you know, in, in its own self, a pro and a con, because while it did fill a need for Miami... A lot of players have since said that they kind of took a step back and deferred to a little bit, not to mention, especially Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson, two guys that were young players and kind of expected to take over a larger role, and they kind of took a a small step back when Wade returned to the team. Goran Dragic also did as well. And so while there was positives of his return, I won't go so far as to say that there were negatives, but there were impacts there that weren't necessarily the best for Miami's long-term future.
0: Yeah, such is life. When when Dwayne Wade is on the roster, and and you mentioned Dion Waders there, and that it was sort of the role he was supposed to play, right? Right, it is starting or coming off the bench, it didn't really matter. He was going to be on the floor just as Dwayne Wade was with with other of the the other high caliber players on the roster, and guys like Dion, guys like Dwayne, tend to eat up a lot of the the usage, a lot of the ball. They they like to get their own shots, and to do so they will dribble the ball into the floor and, and kind of just pound the rock until they get the shot that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And so I don't—I'm I'm not so concerned about the, the, the negative impact as far as taking the ball out of hand to Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow because Deion Waiters has three more years left on his contract, and look, they might as well just get used to it because that's, that's exactly what Deion's going to do. Mm. Um, so that's sort of the way that we're probably going to see Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow— play, maybe slightly higher usage as they improve, Um, but the Heat have come out and said uh, a lot of players in the Heat, like Josh Richardson most recently, has said Deion Waiters is going to give us something next year that we didn't have last year, and I think that's true except for those those 20 or so games and playoff games where Wade was in there, and Wade kind of did give them what Deion was going to give them. Um, That said, you and I have... You and I, it sounds like, have been leaning more towards we think Dwayne Wade is going to retire this summer.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's been the case. The way he talks, it sounds like a man who's ready to move on and is kind of at peace with all that he's been able to accomplish. I think there were the hurt feelings there of 2016 where he, he kind of decided he wanted to part ways with Miami and Pat Riley in the front office and everything that he had been so comfortable with over the first 13 years of his career. Uh took that one year in Chicago that was really uncomfortable. He had a leadership role, but he wasn't really able to mentor the young players in that team, obviously butted heads with one of the other three alphas on that team, namely John Rondo. You know, he had a positive relationship with Jimmy Butler, but that was still... There were negative vibes there. I got a chance to see him up close in Chicago. And it was just... That locker room just seemed like a, a really dysfunctional unit. And unfortunately, that kind of carried over into his year with Cleveland. Although he was waived and bought up by Chicago, he joined Cleveland for a title run to join one of his best friends, LeBron James. That didn't work out either. It was just a really uncomfortable situation there. Nobody quite sure what to do. It was a a roster that wasn't put together very well, trying to find a way of making up for the the loss of Kyrie Irving when he was traded to Boston. And so he came back and it just it felt right. You know, he said it. We've all felt it. It just felt right for him to be there. Not only did it seem right for him to be in that uniform, but he did, like I said before, he filled a need. He, he, He was able to do some of the quote unquote vintage things that we've seen from him in the past, being a dominant scorer, a guy willing to take that shot to the end of games. Had some really positive moments there. He even brought a little effort on defense that I think had been missing for the mm-hmm. first few games of the year. Um, and, and so aggressiveness, was, yes, aggressiveness absolutely. on
0: defense too. Yeah, yeah. You know, I wonder attacking passes, etc. You so you you covered his his um his tour through Chicago and Cleveland, and yeah. then just that sort of that that kind of cherry on top return back to Miami. Do you, I, I'm getting the sense? I mean. Obviously, I remember all those moments, but you're just talking through it, and it just sounds exhausting. Like it is. <laughs> everything that happened since 2016 sounds exhausting. I wonder now. Look, Dwayne Wade is 36 years old, and if you've been following the Heat and, and Dwayne Wade for a few years now, there's been reports throughout the years that the age 36 season was kind of what he was looking at as far as considering retirement. Right. But I wonder if that that tour in Chicago and Cleveland and just the the overall experiences of that and just the 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 burden that that he put on himself by doing those things kind of wore him down a little bit more. You know, I wonder if he's just so exhausted through these last three years and just sort of the the craziness of it as opposed to just having the normalcy of knowing he's going to be in Miami year in and year out. I wonder if that has shortened his career, if anything. I wonder if... You know he's just so exhausted at this point that he's like, "Look, I came back to Miami. I had a great game against the 76ers in the one game that we won. Yeah, and I'm just kind of ready to ride off into the sunset in my golf cart in South Beach."
1: <laughs> it, it, it certainly seems plausible. Uh, that's the way I've been feeling for most of the year, to be honest with you. I, I just, you know, I, I feel like you're spied on and saying that it's probably taken some emotional toll for him. It is hard to be on. Look, from the second he joined Chicago. It was a move that a lot of Bulls fans didn't like because yeah. while the front office was saying we want to go younger, they went and added John Rondo. Then they added Dwayne Wade. And, and then, you know, obviously there was some criticism for those moves, you know, and, and well-deserved because that front office has been a mess for most of the past decade. Um, and, and that just gets hard having to prove yourself. It's you know you you have a comfort level. And you know which routes to take to the American Airlines Arena. You know how to avoid traffic in certain places. You've got your favorite restaurants. You've got your your wife and kids waiting for you at home. That that means a lot rather than being in an uncomfortable situation that you're kind of trying to figure your way out. Like there's a little short term boost. Like think about it from a, even from a, a normal standpoint. When you go on vacation, you love that sense of being away from home for five six days, but There's nothing like home. And I think that's the way it was for for Dwayne Wade in Miami. He's back. He really got a chance to take this team to another level. He he came through for them in the playoffs. And I think he's ready to call it a career. I think there's nothing left for him to prove as an individual. As a team, it doesn't seem likely that they're going to win a title, barring any kind of major free agency acquisition or trade for, say, a LeBron James. If that's the case, then Wade returns otherwise. What's left for him to prove, really? To go through that grind of having to prove yourself in Eric Spoelstra's two-a-day training camp uh, at age 36, pushing 37, I don't see why he'd want to do it.
0: I got I got a few more thoughts on Dwayne Wade that I want to get in here before we move on to Bam Adebayo, but we're going to do that after this quick break. Back with Locked on Heat, we'll talk about Bam Adebayo's more long-term future later, but let's look at this next season for him And Dwayne Wade, because you and I both think that Wade is going to retire. But let's say he doesn't, right? Let's say he's got one more. He wants one more year. What does that look like for Wade? As far as look, we know the kind of role he's going to play. He is Dwayne Wade. He's always going to play. He's going to play the exact same role he did last year, coming off the bench maybe, but essentially the same role, high usage player. But I, I want as far as Miami's cap situation goes. They have the $5.5 million exception ready to use. Now, you and I have speculated, and many people have talked about, maybe using that on a guy like Wayne Ellington if he Mm -hmm. gives Miami maybe a little bit of a hometown discount probably. Mm -hmm. But they'd be able to use that on Ellington or maybe an outside player with maybe a little bit more length, a a true small forward type. We've we've talked about that in the past. But that could also be reserved to use for a guy like Dwayne Wade, right? Because I don't know that Wade would be necessarily ready to come back for the minimum. I don't know if just... I don't know if a minimum salary is enough to talk Dwayne Wade back into coming uh, uh, or back into s- staying in the league and not retiring, but they could very well use that $5.5 million exception on him.
1: Uh, yeah, they could, but I, I kind of disagree with that notion that he wouldn't take less money. At this point, even in the way his most recent comments were about his friend LeBron and saying that you know when James and makes his free agency de- decision... It's not necessarily about winning as we all expect it to be that, you know, he, while James has said in the past that he wants to acquire more titles, it could be about finding the right situation for himself and for his family, most of all. And I think for Wade, he's in a similar place of mind, to be honest with you. I, I think that he he sees what he's accomplished. He's made a lot of money. He's continuing to make a lot of money. He has his shoe line deal in China, still very popular overseas, obviously. So, does it ra- really matter for him to make a, a couple extra million? I know we're talking about amounts of money that we could only hope to make over the course of our lifetime, but for him, I don't know that necessarily means that much. I, I think he'd be willing to take... The, 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 the
0: big the, question is how much does it mean to Gabrielle Union, because we know she calls the shots in that relationship. I, I think
1: she makes more than enough on her own as well, so That's I true. think she's okay. <laughs> uh, I
0: mean, yeah. That new movie looks good, the one where she like beats up the robber or whatever. I, I haven't
1: seen the... her in anything since the McDonald's commercial that aired during the NBA playoffs.
0: Also, a good commercial. She did a great job. I, I mean, think so.
1: yeah, yeah, that was that um, was very realistic. It seemed like she was legitimately hungry for that Big Mac sandwich.
0: I was hungry. <laughs> uh, look, I want to one more thing on Dwayne Wade before we move on to Bam. Uh, there have been Dwayne Wade working out at the facility that he's been working out since basically 2012. DBC Fitness in Miami, right? Yes. There have been now Instagram photos and and videos of guys like. C.A.J. McCollum, and John Wall nice. working out there. Now, the day that we're recording this, I believe John Wall and Dwayne Wade were there at the same time. Excellent. But more certainly the, the same day. Dwayne Wade, depending on if he's in or out, can he talk a guy into like like a John Wall into maybe forcing whatever power he has in that Washington Wizards organization into saying, trade me to Miami, demanding a trade and demanding it to go to South Beach? We could figure out all if that's even a possibility later on, but do you think Dwayne Wade has a role to play in the recruiting process, or... Like you said in the past, do you think he's just kind of done with that?
1: I think I think he would, if nothing else. I, I, you know, one of the things I've maintained for years now, and having this podcast and talking with you about it, is that I always perceive players to have an us and them relationship with the mm-hmm. front office and the coaching staff. I mean, when, when we talked about Udonis. And, and the role he's had over years, while he's a player, he's also a, a slight extension of the coaching staff, but still with the same kind of street cred of being a player and, and knowing what it's like to travel with a team, be in the locker room, etc. For a guy like Wade, while he may not be an active extension of the team front office-wise, he's a guy who can tell a guy like Wall, you know, this is what it's like, it's not for everybody. Um, it, it, this is what it's like to be in a Spolstro led practice. You got to work. You got to work hard. That's what they demand more than anything else. You got to pay attention to defense. If you want to take your game to a next level, Miami can't help you. And I think. That's the honest truth. I think he really believes that and I think he'd be willing to share that kind of information. I mean, can it come across negatively to some people? Absolutely. For some people they just don't want to work to that point. They don't want the kind of uh, overbearing, it could be overbearing I think at times, but at the same at this, you know, you can also look at it as being what you need to take you to that next level in your development as a player. And for a guy like Wall, Maybe that's what he's looking for. Maybe he's looking for a little, a little bit more stability. I think than that is what he's looking
0: was. for. I think that's why he's working out at the same gym that Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. And, and then last year, Victor Oladipo worked out in Oladipo. And uh, all three of those guys took their games to another level. LeBron Wade probably just maintained their peaks for a little bit longer because of that. Yeah. Um, Wade prolonged his career. Victor Oladipo completely redefined his own career through it. Um, maybe John Wall's willing to do that. Maybe he says, like, maybe he's looking at that as look, if, if I could do this here in Miami, maybe I could keep doing this here in Miami. I don't know. I just, I'm just i just speculating, and I wonder if Wade has a role to play in that, whether or not he's on the roster or not. But I, I like the point that you made that maybe John Wall is just working at the gym with Dwayne Wade, and they have a spare moment in the corner in between sets, and he's just saying, like, look, what's up with the Heat? Tell me about it. Right. Maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough. Maybe just having that conversation. Um, but let's move on to Bam Adebayo because he's got certainly more of a long-term future, hopefully with the Heat, because he showed some really great flashes in his rookie season after the Heat took him at the end of the lottery um, last June. He's going to be entering now his second season in the league. David, did he show you
1: enough as a rookie to earn a bigger role next year? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we we saw enough from Bam um, where he was able to contribute defensively at a higher level than our starting center. Um, I mean, probably even at a higher level than Kelly Olenek, who was his backup. Um, and, and, you know, I think... He showed some real progress there, some intensity. As a rebounder, I I think he's probably the team's best rebounder. I guess you could make a case for maybe Justice when he's fully engaged as he was during the playoffs. But I think as a rebounder, he's probably by far our best, even better than Whiteside. Mm, um,
0: I, I, I disagree with that. I think Whiteside's still the better rebounder, but okay. I think Bam has got the ability to be as good, if not better, than Whiteside. That's fair. But,
1: I, I think yeah. he's just more active in chasing rebounds. He is. And Whiteside just relies... Far too much on his length and doesn't show nearly as much effort as I'd like.
0: He doesn't box out nearly as well as Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo is the best at boxing out on the team, that's for sure. Whiteside is just stupid, freakish big. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I I mean, I I think he's ready for a bigger role. Uh, You know, I, I... it's been such a weird year for Bam Adebayo from the moment he was drafted where we were all wondering who the hell is Bam Adebayo cuz we really didn't know too much about him. I don't think a lot of people expected him to go that high in the draft. Um and then we saw his off, his workout over the summer showing a lot of range on his jumper and you and I well you and I saw him up close in in summer league and he was very impressive there. Uh, and, and then he kind of just he never really showed those flashes. He never really had those opportunities to do so at the NBA level. He could bring the ball up court I'm still not sold on him as a playmaker. I saw some people saying that you know he's kind of the prototypical center for today's day and age.
0: Well, we did we did see him do the Kelly Olynyk thing. We saw him just stand on on the offense. elbow yeah. and initiate offense with, with those dribble handoffs and things like that. I mean the flat, the things that you're talking about from summer league about him just taking the taking a rebound and bringing it up the floor. He probably just didn't have the leeway to do that. I, I don't know that, or probably just didn't have the comfort level level to do that in an NBA game, which is totally fine. Maybe that comes with time it should um, for
1: him cuz he can yeah. do it he's got the he he's got the handle i think he's got the speed certainly at his at his size to be able to do that and i mean he just seems like such a load physically that if he's if he's coming at you with that ball there are very few guys i feel would would be comfortable standing in his way trying to to rip the ball from his hands so.
0: he's got one of the more important skills or attributes i should say that that a center can have in today's game and that's the quick feet and that's what got the heat to draft him in the first place at 14. Good it was point. those quick feet that ability to get out on the perimeter and switch that thing that Spolstra has wanted Whiteside to do <sighs> and Whiteside just physically cannot do and the one thing I don't blame for Whiteside for is not being able to do that he just he's too big he's too slow he just doesn't have the the physical ability to do those things but Bam Adebayo does and in today's league that is more important than having a guy like a traditional rim protector I mean, Miami's. Even Kelly Olynyk has a slight more ability than Whiteside to do that, and Miami's defensive net rating numbers, their on-off numbers with Olynyk were better, better when Olynyk was on the floor than Whiteside because just having even a smidgen of that ability is so much more important than even being a dominant rim protector at this point. Yeah, I absolutely. mean that, it, and that that's certainly the case. And Bam Adebayo could be elite at that. I mean, All NBA at that. He has that that skill set. I, I I look forward to him taking a bigger role. Next next year, whether or not it's a, as a starter or as a backup, most likely as a backup. Um, it really depends on what happens with Whiteside, which we'll talk about here in a bit. But I, I think he's deserved it. I also on the offensive end. There's been a lot of talk from like the beat writers and stuff about oh he needs to go, uh, develop a post game, etc. I completely disagree with that. I never want to see him take a stupid hook shot or that <laughs> dumb Whiteside push shot. Let's go. If once Whiteside is gone, when and where, whenever that happens, I want no, I, I want nothing of that era. Back on the heat, I would rather Bam be practicing corner threes than than stupid hook shots at this point. Especially because he doesn't have the size or length that Whiteside does, so it's going to be really difficult for him to get that shot. And I think that's a concern with him. But if he could be a face up player, master a mid range game, then and then slowly work your way out to the three point line, that to me. And, and then of course he's got his jumping ability in the lobs. I'd rather him just be like that, like the James Harden of of centers. You know, just either it's either a lob at the rim, or he's taking a, a perimeter jumper.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good uh, range for him. I think that's exactly what to, the, where the league is trending, and for him, I think he's capable of handling that role.
0: The Heat have a ton of centers on the roster, which uh, could make it hard for Bam to play more right away. We'll talk about the option you already know we'd bring up when we come back after this break. It wouldn't be a Locked on Heat episode if we didn't broach the topic of trading. Hassan Whiteside, hmm. obviously, I think you and I agree that trading Whiteside is the best approach this offseason, just in general, Especially if it means seeing more of what Bam can do, not to mention carving out more minutes for Kelly Olinick. But what if the Heat can't trade Whiteside David? Like the worst case scenario, does that make Bam then more expendable in order to upgrade the roster? Because if you're locked into Whiteside for another two years, do you even. And then you've obviously got Olinick there for another three years. Is Bam just almost too superfluous? Is that asset just going to get worse riding the bench as opposed to maybe. Moving him and another more veteran player in order to upgrade it at another position?
1: No, because I think his potential on the roster outweighs what his uh, a- asset value would be as a as, you know in a trade or something like that. And I think whether you can move Whiteside or not this summer, you might be able to do so at the trade deadline. You might be able to do so next summer when he still has two years left on his deal. Um, you know, I-, I think there's still an opportunity there for Bam, and you'd rather have him on the roster, being able to shape that development rather than cutting to cutting him too soon and not watching him take that next step because he does have all those physical tools. And I think he has the right mental approach. We've already seen videos and I know it's only, or it's still early in the off season. There's probably a long vacation somewhere in the works for him. If not, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's part, he's, he's probably going to be part of the summer league roster, right? I would imagine Mm -hmm, that he'd get that, that. They'd want him to get that kind of experience. So he's already working. And if that's the case, that's the kind of attitude that would make him a really great piece long-term for the Heat. They they probably value the commitment that he's already shown as a young player. I mean, he's still, what, 20 years old? 20,
0: it'll be 21 by, by the start of next season. Right. He's so, 20 right now. Yeah, yeah, so,
1: I mean, that kind of youth, dedication, commitment, intensity, all those factors, I mean, that screams... Heat culture, for all the, the exaggerated mm-hmm. approach that a lot of fans have, have taken with that, it, it does seem to apply to Bam. So I think having him on the roster is only a benefit. I mean, w- Whether look, even if you can't trade Whiteside, you can always do what happens in the playoffs you can bench him and then give more minutes to Olenek and and Adebayo. And if Whiteside wants to grumble, well, guess what? Then he'll have to accept the trade somewhere, or he can just sit there on the bench and collect his 20 something million dollars. You know, that's not a bad place to be in, to be honest with you. But you know, right now, the future is trending towards Bam, and, and you play him as much as you can, regardless of whether Whiteside grumbles. Or whether or not he's still on the roster. You do whatever you can in order to ensure that Adebayo takes the right steps to reach the point that he can.
0: I agree with you as far as. Well, I agree with you. (laughs) I I do agree. I just agree with you. Um, But, like, you mentioned the fact that he's probably got more value just riding Miami's bench than he does, even as a trade asset. I don't know that anybody is willing to move the caliber player that Miami really needs for Bam Adebayo and, say, I don't know. James Johnson, or, like, Goran Dragic plus Bam Adebayo. Like, what does that even get you? Like, Dragic, arguably Miami's best player, plus Bam Adebayo. Like, what does that... Like, what could you possibly even get for that? A secondary-type
1: so player, not a superstar. Yeah. Maybe, say, like a Chris Middleton-type you know, player. A guy yeah, who's so good and a contributor, but not necessarily a superstar, which is what you need.
0: Not the transformative player that Pat Riley keeps talking about, right? You got it. You got and, it. And, and so, Bam Adebayo's potential is, is certainly... Probably more valuable to Miami than just than trying to move him now. Now something could come up, and the and another team who maybe fell in love with Bam during the scouting. But like there there were, there were rumblings that the Denver Nuggets were really high on Bam Adebayo going into that draft. If they still are, are they willing to part with a Jamal Murray for Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic or something like that or whatever and, and draft picks or something? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always that X factor, but overall, like I I, I do think that Bam Adebayo is worst-case scenario, eventually Miami starting center. And I say that because Whiteside's got a player option for the 2019-20 season that he most certainly will opt into, um, unless Pat Riley pulls a Phil Jackson on Carmelo Anthony and just makes life miserable for him, which we don't think he will do because Pat Riley likes Whiteside. Um, But bam, his rookie-scale contract goes into the 2020-2021 season, one year after Whiteside will be off the books for Miami, and he'll be eligible for a contract extension that year, right? The extension that, we, that, jo- that Justice Winslow is about to be eligible for, that Josh Richardson was eligible for last season. That will be the similar extension that Bam Adebayo will be eligible for the year after Whiteside um, presumably comes off of Miami's books. And so he'll need to show basically enough within the next couple of years that he's worth an extension. And if that's the case, Miami can very smoothly kind of just go into the next phase of Miami Heat center. You know, yeah. they could, they, it'll be very, uh, it'll be a smooth transition from Whiteside to Bam Adebayo. And, and I think that's worst case scenario, just being that Whiteside doesn't get traded before that. And if, but Whiteside does get traded before that, I think he most certainly becomes a starting center and Olena continues to either play power forward next to Bam Adebayo, which worked as in Bam's rookie year, or comes off the bench as sort of that four or five combo guy where he, where he thrived last year in his first year in Miami. Um, But overall, I think things work out pretty well for the Heat, and I don't see a reason for them to part with Bam Adebayo, again, unless it's just for some team that is just super high on him, and it's kind of the thing that would uh, uh, land that transformative player for the Heat, but otherwise I don't see it. By the way, all these numbers and things that I've been talking about, all available via our Patreon page. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/lockdownheat and if you sign up as a as a patron, you have access to all their salary, all the heat salary cap tables and depth charts and our favorite trade uh, trade ideas for this off season. So so David, uh, 19.8 minutes per game, played 69 games, averaged 6.9 points per game, five and a half rebounds per game, one and a half assists per game. Do you want to have an early prediction on on BAM uh, as far as at least minutes and Points go
1: Ooh, higher. Yeah, I mean, uh, no. I, unfortunately, I think it stays the same. To be honest with you, I, I don't. I, you know, we've talked about this before. While it's not in our, you know, you know, wish book, uh, we uh, we don't expect Hassan Whiteside to be traded. We just don't see that that's going to be a viable option for any other team to accept that contract. So, unfortunately, you're going to have to wind up playing him a lot. Um, and you know, there is value there. Hopefully, they can find a way. Of making giving the most out of out of Whiteside, and a lot of that depends on his effort, his willing to be a little bit more active. You know, we've heard rumblings that injuries might have been a, a more significant impact over the course of the season than what we had expected. Certainly, effort wasn't hundred percent, but hopefully, a better version of Whiteside will be a more productive version and one that we can count on. And, and I don't know that minutes necessarily have to change for Whiteside either, but he just has to make the most of his playing time, given that. Uh, he's probably going to be the he's the incumbent starter. He'll probably stay at that position. Olenek mm-hmm. is just too slow in today's league to play anything other than the center position. Although he shows very well at de- on defense, and he has you know relatively quick feet. He does move around. Um, he he just can't handle smaller uh, some ball handlers and even big men to be honest with you. So uh, he has to play backup center. So you, you just. Play Olenic while you. I mean, I'm sorry. You play uh, bio while you can. I think a lot of those minutes probably came from when Whiteside missed as many games as he did over yeah. the course of the season. So, I, if anything, I'd predict probably a drop in minutes. Unfortunately,
0: I agree. I think that 19.8 minutes per game is certainly not. It's par for the course. If, if Whiteside's healthy, there's no way he. It's probably closer to 10. Um, and I never want to see. That Bam Adebayo at power forward, white side at center lineup ever again in my life. That didn't work, and I never want to see it again. Yeah, um, <laughs> Well, that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening. As always, you can reach us by email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or on Twitter by using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Support the show by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash LockedOnHeat. Music is courtesy of Mojave Wild. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining
1: me, David. You got it, Wes.